Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Rangers Reviews morning briefing on Friday, the 27th of January. Sorry, we're a wee bit late. Uh, myself and Chris Jack joining us today. We've had some technical issues, Chris, but we're here. There is three screens, but just to confirm, there is only two of us. There is only one Chris Jack on this podcast. It's been a difficult morning, but we'll we'll get through it. Yeah, here we are, exactly. Um, good to have you with us, Chris. Um, we're going to speak about Nicholas Raskin. Obviously, Chris um, had a story update yesterday, um, bringing some news on uh, where Rangers are with their pursuit of the Belgian midfielder. We'll get into that in just a minute. A reminder first, you can subscribe to us on our YouTube channel for free. At the moment, you can subscribe to our website uh, four months for just £1.00. Uh, on the link on the ticker below or in the description and just a thank you as well as ever to our sponsors it's me doing it today not Derek Seneca Europe's number one hair uh, trans uh, I was about to say hair transportation but that's definitely not is it Chris is it um, 43,000 um, people that Seneca have already treated all around Europe I'm not used to doing this without Derek Chris you're not quite there you don't need a hair transplant yet but um, if you were Seneca is, is exactly where you should go, but you, you've, you've still got a bit up there, Chris, haven't you? A few more transfer windows and a few more near <laughs> foreign Rangers, I'm sure we'll get there. If the last decade hasn't done it for me, I'm sure the next decade <laughs> will do, so I'll keep, yeah. I'll keep them in mind. Exactly. So it is a hair transplant, not a hair transportation, obviously, which is a very different thing. But as Chris says, a few more transfer windows, and we'll come back to that. Right, well, Chris, let's get into the current transfer window. Um, we'll just go firstly to your update yesterday on Nicholas Raskin, kind of well-documented pursuit um, of Rangers for the 21-year-old Belgian midfielder. He's played for the under-21s, plays for Standard Liège at the moment. Do you want to just bring us up to date with your understanding of the situation as it stands? Well, as Michael Beale kindly confirmed last week in his press conference, uh, he has a player that Rangers are interested in. He's also a player that Rangers have now bid for and had a bid rejected for. Um, and that's kind of that's kind of where we're at at present. Um, I think a deal will get done. It seems to make sense for all parties for a deal to get done. Raskin wants to move. Rangers want to sign him. And Liège are just looking to try and recoup as much as they can for a player who's who's out of contract and ultimately worth nothing to them in the in the summer. Um, I know a lot of Rangers fans are a bit anxious at the fact that the fee's not been met and just just go and pay the money, but. Any transfer negotiation starts with a club setting a price. Rangers want to pay a, di pay, pay a different price. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, you meet in the middle. I don't think it would make sense for Rangers just to say, right, we'll give you €2 million Euros plus whatever other bits and bobs you want. There's going to be some to and fro and a bit of negotiation in there. They still have a bit of time. So I know people always want deals done yesterday and they're keen to see new players coming in. Um, ultimately, if this one takes a couple of days longer and he doesn't make his debut against St. Johnson Saturday, which isn't going to happen now, yeah. if the boy turns out to be a player over the next four seasons, we'll forget all about these couple of days of haggling and a bit of a bit of uh, frustration. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, as you say, Chris, I think there's a lot of goodness <laughs> for this transfer to be done because deep line midfield is an area that Rangers haven't invested in in a long time. I think before Charlie McCann went down the road to Forest Green Rovers, he was actually the most expensive midfielder at Rangers, <laughs> if, if I'm not wrong. Um, obviously, there's some context to that with Kamara and, and, and Lundstrom and how Rangers got those players into Ibrox, but it shows that it's not an area Rangers have, have spent money in in a while. But 
what you're saying is, Chris, from your understanding, you're, you think this transfer will get done. Obviously, it's kind of being done in public because the players that are contract in the summer, as you say, you'll mm-hmm. confirmed last week that there was interest there from Rangers. But you're, you're confident that Raskin will, whether it be now or in the summer, be a, a Rangers player. Word from people that know his camp last night over in Belgium was that they're they're calm about the situation. They're they're happy with how things are progressing, and they're still confident that he will be uh, will be done. Um, obviously, Michael speaking at his press in a couple of hours, so we'll see what he's got to say mm-hmm. to it and what his kind of take on the on the situation is. But I don't think just because it hasn't been done right now. I don't think people should get too worried about it. If it's still not done come 10 o'clock on deadline day, then we can maybe start to get a bit worried. But right right now, it still sounds, it still sounds as if it's it's on track. Yeah. Um, and it's just a case of the club's meeting in the middle on a, on a fee. I think Standard are quite right to hold out for as much as they want to hold out for. Rangers are entitled to bid what they want to bid. And it's always the case in transfers. So some... Nine times out of ten, you will meet in the middle and a deal will get done, hopefully. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, because it's a, um, he's out of contract in the summer, it's slightly different. Rangers can speak to the player before they have to agree a fee with the club, which, which mm-hmm. changes things um, as well. But um, that's great, Chris. That's us up to speed um, with the, the Raskin uh, news, where we're up to with that. I'd like to get your, your thoughts on the transfer window more widely, Chris, as someone who's... Um, as you say, got the rear to the grounds um, and, and has lost, got a few grey hairs as a result of it. Um, Cantwell's in, it's the 27th. Some people will have wanted more transfers in by this point. Um, equally, Rangers did their business in the summer um, a little bit earlier and, and some people wanted transfers later on in the window. What do you make of the Cantwell signing? It was obviously unveiled at Ibrox earlier mm-hmm. this week and, and where Rangers kind of stand at the moment. I think Cantwell's a good a good deal all around. He, he's a he's of a good profile. He's of a good experience. Um, I think if you look at the type of guys that Stephen Gerrard kind of built his first squad round about, Cantwell kind of fits into that. He's, he's somebody that was nice to pick up from the English market, but he's got a lot of improvement in him. He's still got good years ahead of him. I know Bill has spoken about trying to get three four years out of a team and out of a squad. He certainly fits that. But he's also not some guy who's only played 10, 12 games in his entire career. I think it's 150 odd games that he's he's played for Norwich, played in the Championships, a tough league, played in the Premier League, obviously. Was very highly rated at, at a, a point in his career, perhaps. I think as he admitted himself the other day, he lost his way a wee bit. So I, I think he fits he fits the identity that the Rangers should have been looking at. In the window in general. I'm not that surprised I've not done too much more business. I think the, the major rebuild will come come the summer. You've also got a lot of players out of contract that you, you also have to make decisions on. If they've gone and signed six players this, this month, the squad is then very, very heavy. I know a lot of the guys are still in the treatment room, unfortunately, but the squad then becomes very, very heavy. The wage bill is already big. You then also need to carry that for the next six months. So I think once the manager's made decisions on the guys that could potentially leave under freedom of contract, also make the loans that need to be discussed as well. There'll be guys that will generally move on just because they're out of favour. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you're looking at 10 out, 10 out, 10 in come the summer, maybe in terms of really good proper mm-hmm. like a rebuild of the of the squad. And that's always easier to do over, over the summer when I mean, you've got a bit more time rather than trying to force everything through in January, where, as we can see with the Raskin deal, teams that are selling can set up 
concerto fee, and it's up to you whether you want to pay it or not. When when you only have four weeks to get your deal done, teams can set fees that you might not want to pay, and it's then also down to whether you want to do those deals or not. So I think over the summer we will see a more substantial rebuild under under Michael Beale. So I think if they can get Cantwell or Cantwell's in, get him into the team, get him settled, do the asking deal, maybe one more. I'd still like to see another striker in. Yeah. Uh, after that. I think it's been a fairly productive month, uh, not having lost MD, MD Big, and that then gives them time really to focus on who's going to stay and who's going to go in terms of the contact guys and the, and the ones that are just not good enough. Another name that's been mentioned, uh, Morgan Whitaker. Um, we were at uh, the, where was it, McDermott Park last week, Chris, for that mm-hmm. uh, Scottish Cup game. And after it, Michael Beale gave what I interpreted to be a, a, a slightly, um, not a, quite a dig at Russell Martin, but... Um, he said that was the first he'd heard that Morgan Whitaker wasn't in the squad for the Swansea mm-hmm. game. Um, whether, whether that's true or not, I don't know. That That's kind of went quiet over the last week. But again, that's something that the, the business has almost been done or the interest has been declared in public. Mm-hmm. Um, I think according to Russell Martin, it was actually the player that texted him last weekend before Swansea's game and said he wasn't in the, the right frame of mind. Because remember, if, if he was to play, I think, for Swansea, he wouldn't be able to move this this window because then he'd have played for for three teams. Um, is that something rumbling on in, in the background, Chris? Because he, he plays off the right side, but he'd fit that profile of bringing in another attacker who's a, a good age. Mm-hmm. Again, I think I, I can see the I can see the reasoning why Rangers are, are interested in him. Um, people will say, well, he's played the first half of the season for Plymouth and uh, Swansea don't want him. How can he be a Rangers starter in a team that's trying to qualify for the Champions League? But again. Young, got some experience behind him, type of player that can be improved and eventually, hopefully, sold on for a decent if a decent fee further down the line. Hull seems to have gone a wee bit quiet on that one, but as far as I know, Rangers are still interested. Um, Michael's been quite interesting on that in the last couple yeah. of weeks. He's, he's been open, talking about Cantwell and how good a player he is. He spoke about Raskin last week, a fortnight ago, but he played against Rangers in that Europa League game. Good player, interested. On the Whitaker one, he's been a bit Coyer and not quite been as open on it. Yeah. Um, had a couple of digs, if you want, want to call them that, at Russell Martin, as you said, that one last week. And the one the previous week when it was Russell Martin that confirmed it was Rangers that had the bid, yeah. had the bid rejected. So the, the noise around that one's been a wee bit, maybe a wee bit stranger, um, but not heard anything to say that Rangers aren't, aren't interested anymore and they don't want to get a deal done. So Again, that one might may well drag on because um, I don't think Swansea would want to have a player there that, that doesn't want to play, that's decided his yeah. future is elsewhere. He also can't go out on loan to another club that's now not Plymouth. They're not going to be happy if he's been taken back and then also sent back to them again. So, again, it, it seems to suit all parties for that for that mm-hmm. deal to be done. But um, the focus at, at, at the moment does seem to be asking and time, time will tell if there's, a, if there's another one before the deadline. Yeah, I want to get your thoughts as well on some potential outgoings this window, Chris. But first, um, I want to talk a bit about Michael Beale's press conferences because, as you say, last week, you know, we sit down in the press conference room and he comes in and he says there's going to be no updates. And then two minutes later, he's he's confirmed interest in Raskin and and given us a not quite a, a small <laughs> scout report, um, but but certainly kind of given some detail on mm-hmm. him. I, I wrote a piece last week, Chris, saying that. You know, for, from a club's point of view, I think as long as the manager is is not selling them down the river and he, and he is um, staying with the party line, uh, then it's fine. And and people will like listening to him. People will enjoy that um, 
a press conference doesn't seem like a chore. I think that Beal is mm-hmm. just someone who really enjoys talking about football and it's as simple as that and, and he enjoys his job. Um, whereas for some other managers, and, and Gio's maybe an example of this, they've done it their whole life and they're used to protecting the party line and and kind of and, and staying in that. What's been kind of your take on two months of of Beal being in the door from a media point of view? Because I think he's he's handled that pretty well so far. I think it was probably one of the the unknowns about Michael when he when he got the job and he came back up the road because he didn't mm-hmm. do any interviews, barely did Rangers TV, didn't do any press conferences or media stuff when he was here the first time. So nobody really knew how he was going to be to deal with, how personal it was going to be, what his style was going to be in pressers. Um, but he has been, he's been really good value. Uh, there's not been one occasion when the guys have spoken to him and have been left empty-handed. Um, I missed the first game, the Leverkusen game, to was off. I texted a couple of guys afterwards to say, how did it go? And what came back? Brilliant. Daly's got a player and Beal gave the Sundays four by pages. And that, because there's stuff about goals and uh, there's a Kamara uh, line about him. He's, he's too good to go and play in France. A couple yeah. of other things. I thought, well, if he's going to continue in that vein, he'll do for us. He's been really interesting. Um, I think he knows he knows what he wants. He knows what he wants to say. I think he's quite good at playing the game. Um, even his comments yeah. the other week about, I've basically given my recommendations to the board. Yeah. I've, I've, I've done my bit. It's almost as, as if they say, well, I've said I want Cantwell, Raskin, Whitaker, Ari, and other if those deals then don't happen, it's almost not his fault because he's saying, well, I've, yeah. I've done my bit. And it's a real change from Gio, who was there previously, who owned everything in a collective. It was, well, I, I do this and I speak to Ross and I speak to the board and I speak to the staff. And it was all, all a collective thing. And he took all that on his shoulders. Bill's got a slightly different a, a slightly different style about it. Yeah. Even in terms of like injury updates and stuff, he asked Gio oh, after the World Cup, there's no... There's no time frames on things. You can now say to Bill, well, how long has Hadji out for, or when's John Suter back? We also spoke to him about uh, Phil Hollander. That stuff was in the it was in the papers earlier this week, and he gave us some great stuff on Phil's journey and how he's how he's not written off and how he's not done yet. And it's the type of thing that you would have got under Stephen Gerrard. We never really got under Gio because he had a different style and a different way with words about him, and we're now well, we've now got it back with. Uh, Michael Beale, so it may well change. He may well decide that he doesn't want to be as open, doesn't want to be as honest on things uh, going forward. But while he's he's happy to answer questions and he answers them as openly and as honestly, I think it's great value for for the press guys. But I think it's good for the Rangers fans as well because they're they're getting yeah. more they're getting more information out of the club than they were previously. Um, and ultimately, it's their club. They're entitled to know what players are coming in who's injured, who's carrying a knock, what's happening with this player, what's happening with that, his, his views on games. They, they want to know as much information as possible. Press conferences are a way of getting that information to them. We're in the privileged position that we can ask the questions to get that information out of them. Um, and I think it's certainly, been good for the, it's certainly been good for the fans and it's certainly been good for business. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think that's pretty well put, Chris. People want to know things and as long as that's done in... Obviously, a way that, um, from Beal's point of view, still protects the club, then I think uh, honesty and, and, and making it engaging is, is really good. Um, I want to get your thoughts, Chris, on potential outgoings. Beal, again, has kind of fluctuated on this throughout the window. Earlier on, he said that players wouldn't be going out, I think, in a specific um, nod to Alex Lowry at that time. Mm-hmm. Last week, though, there was maybe more of an admission that a, player, a couple of players could leave. Obviously, Charlie McCann's now went down to Forest Green Rovers to be managed by uh, Duncan Ferguson, which is a nice... A connection. If you haven't seen the unveiling picture of Duncan Ferguson in the Forest Green um, 
I think it's the owner, um, then then do go and see it because it's a good, it's a good snap. Um, do, do you think anyone else could go out the door, Chris? Because you look at that area, I'm thinking specifically behind the striker where you've got Kent Tillman, Lowry, Arfield, Hadji's coming back. We've got to speak about him because he might be in the squad tomorrow. Um, Lawrence, there'll be players I've forgotten in there as well. Is, is it possible that you think there's a movement late in the window and someone like Lowry maybe goes out on loan? Or do you think Beal wants what he's not had so far, which is competition for places and real depth off the bench? I think you'd probably want as many players as possible because he's not had that, as you say, Josh, he's not had that yeah. luxury over the last two months since he's been in. Um, I asked him, I think it was a fortnight ago, I asked him about players going out and he basically said no because what, what we had, in fact it was after the, the Hamden game, he said Look, what, what we had at Hamden was all we have available, that that, that squad yeah. was it, it's not as if he's leaving three, four guys out and he's then having to put two, three into a into a B team game just to get the minutes. Alec Lowry is probably the only one that can fits that mould of fringes of the first team Play, plays the B team games to keep himself fit and get him back up to some level. Personally, I would like to see him go out on loan. I think a loan would be good for him. I think he has to go and play 10, 12 first team games, starting games between now and the end of the season. He's not going to get that at Ibrox. I think it'd be a good thing for him. Um, apart from that, unless MD comes in with a bid that Rangers simply can't turn down, I would I would be surprised. Um, one, because the squad is still fairly tight in terms of in terms of numbers. Um, I'd also be surprised. I'm not sure there's that many guys who, on form, made it a, a move. Uh, I know yeah. you asked me. You asked me at my part last week who Rangers' best player that season had been. Uh, mm. It took me a wee while to come up with a name. Never mind two or three. Yeah. So if you if you are a, a prospective purchaser, I don't really see who you say like let's go and spend five million pounds on someone from Rangers because on on form that season, nobody has really earned it. Um, mm. There's obviously guys that will have residual value. Um, he likes Glenn Kamara, perhaps is probably one that you would think you would move on over the over the course of the summer. Um, but until someone someone puts a, a fairly substantial offer on the table, I don't see even even him moving on during this uh, during this window. So I, th- I would think it'd be fairly quiet. But you might guess also some of the youth boys, like say uh, Josh McPeak, um, had yeah. this week attacked a bit of interest from England. Um, obviously Kai Kennedy as well, Charlie McCann's away. So I think if they can clear out some of the, the guys that are on the fringes of the fringes, if you like, I think that yeah. might be all the all the business that we do. Yeah, absolutely. Two players who moved on from Ibrox in the summer, Chris, and, and there's a lot of comments coming in about this um, and are having a, a difficult time, I think it's fair to say, to different, different extremes. Joe Rebo, who um, has not yet earned a place under the new manager, Nathan Jones at Southampton, but also... Uh, Calvin Bassey, who um, as, as I think had really good moments uh, playing over for Ajax in the Netherlands and had bad moments. I guess that's natural when you go into a club of that size. Obviously, it's important to remember with Bassey that it was only this time last year that he'd really started to play regular mm-hmm. first-team football. Uh, now, any discussion of them coming back obviously isn't realistic, so I'm not going to put that to you, Chris. But what I do, I do think it shows, and we had, this, we had an interview with Kenny Miller uh, on the website earlier this week, when it comes to players like I'm thinking specifically of Ryan Kent because I still think Alfredo Morales has a lot to prove if he were to stay, but but more so Ryan Kent. When you're looking at someone like Joe Rebo, the grass isn't always uh, greener when you leave Rangers, is it? Uh, that's that's um, easy to say, but it's something Bill referenced, I think, in his very first uh, after the Bayer Leverkusen game. Some of these players won't be able to go and play for clubs um, where where it's 
quite as big and they're quite as adored mm -hmm. by the fan base. Do, do you think when someone like Kent is considering his future, he's looking at players that have moved on and thinking, do you know, maybe a couple of years here under Beal, playing, hopefully coming into my prime, playing with a manager that, that really understands me is going to be better than, than moving to a club where, as a Rebels experience, there's a new manager and, and a change and, and suddenly maybe you're not quite as uh, part of the plans as you were in the mm -hmm. summer. I think it probably depends what motivates each individual player. So if, if you're motivated by the chance to go and play at Old Trafford and the Emirates and you want to pick up 50 grand a week, then the Premier League is also the place to go and be. If you want to, as you say, have that adoration of 50,000 fans every week, yeah. that, that pressure of playing for Rangers must bring out a buzz for you. Um, the chance to go and win trophies, trying to go and play Europe, uh, Champions League, obviously. If, if those things motivate you, then you stay at Rangers. If the other things motivate you, then you don't stay at Rangers. So I think it probably comes down to each individual player. Um, Michael Beale is right. Very few players that leave Rangers will go to a bigger will go to a bigger club. They might go to a more lucrative league. They might go to a squad guys picking up eh, several times more money. Very few will leave, and even if it's not that that first move, very few will leave and end up in any stage in their career at a bigger club than Rangers. Um, so, I, so I think it depends on them, them as individuals. Uh, but I think, you're, I think you're right. The examples of Joe Aribo is, is probably a better one. It isn't always greener on the other side. Yes, he's a yeah. Premier League player, but is he enjoying himself more? Is he enjoying his football more now, not playing for Southampton, than he was last season when he was starting in Europa League or the season before, going, going for trophies, winning 55? Those, those moments... Personally, I would have thought must mean more to a player than sitting on the bench at Old Trafford. Um, I, th I think the likes of Aribo is a good example. I'm actually surprised. I thought he would go down there yeah, and not the by Stormer. I thought he was custom made to go down there and just have a really good season at a good club like Southampton. I thought it was a good, a good move for him at a good level. And he would then kick on and maybe move up a couple of runs in the Premier League. But it's just, it's not quite happened for him for whatever reason. Um, and I'm sure. The guys that are in that stage, like if your Camaras, your Kents, Morelos, they now they will be thinking, well, should I stay or should I go? And ultimately, if if they go in six months' time, they may have to regret it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. We'll, we'll just get through a few more things before um, we call it a day, Chris. Obviously, we're heading up to the press conference this afternoon um, ahead of Rangers' game against St Johnston tomorrow. They played them in the cup last week. It's the league this time round. I guess that the big talking points from this game is will we see Todd Cantwell, uh, Chris? But but also is this going to be the return for Yanis Hadji and, and John Suter? Hadji's been out uh, over a year now. I think it was January twenty first in twenty twenty two when he injured himself mm -hmm. against Sterling Albion. Um, Suter's been out. I think it was the opening day against Livingston was the last mm -hmm. time that he pulled on a Rangers shirt. What are you expecting ahead of the game, Chris? And and do you think as Beal kind of hinted earlier in the month, we will see those two uh, players coming back from injury? Hopefully we'll find out in a couple of hours if they're, if they're fit to make the squad. If it's not this week, I'm sure it'll be next week because Michael has spoken quite extensively on the two of them over the last few weeks and said, look, he's given like, positive updates on their, on their progress. So unless there's been any any setbacks that we're not aware of, I would like to think they'd both be in the, be in the squad. It'd be great to see them both both back. Certainly Yanis Hadji, a player I've, I've got a lot, of, a lot of time for, um, a player that really fits into that Michael Beale team. The big question is obviously after a year out, what level is he at? How long does it take him to get back to to where he was? Can he come back and eventually go on and be even better than he was? 
Rangers obviously moved to protect their investment a wee bit with a new contract a couple of weeks ago. That shows that they still have faith in them, that they still believe that he can still be a first-team player for them. I think the important thing for a fan's perspective is just give them time. Between now and the end of the season, you're not going to see the best version of Yanis Hadji. If he can play half a dozen games between now and the end of the season, get a good pre-season under his belt, then for four or five months into next next term and he's still not at the levels, then maybe you ask, has the injury taken him back to a level that we just can't bring him back from? But uh, I think it's it's baby steps with Yanis just as we try and get him uh, back up to full speed. John Suter, again, really pleased to see him him back. A a difficult start to life at Ibrox for him, but again, a a player who fits into a Michael Beal team, I think. Certainly a player who ticks a lot of boxes for Rangers. Um, and again, someone who just just be a wee bit patient with him and don't don't expect too much too soon. Yeah, and, and just finally another player that was on the bench last week, but uh, will be on the bench all going well tomorrow. Antonio Cholak, unless he starts. I've got a piece on the website this morning, Chris, looking at you know Rangers have been linked with some domestic strikers this window, Shankland and, and Nisbet amongst others. Um, for, for me, Cholak is going to still have a big role to play under Michael Beale. might not be the starting striker every week. I think Rangers, if Morelos uh, goes in the summer, as is the case at the moment, because he's not signed a new contract, we'll need to replace him, uh, definitely. But but Cholak's 11 goals and 14 starts is a number in a poor team uh, at the start of the season who weren't playing well, mm-hmm. is the type of numbers that Rangers haven't had in a while. And, and what it'll also give Beale is something they had at, at Hamden, Chris, which changed the game, is the ability to bring on a goal scorer. Um, and, and I still think it's uh, Cholak can have a, a big role to play under him, even if he's not going to be that starting striker every week. No, I, I agree, Josh. I don't see either second half of this season or eventually come the summer when there's then that kind of change over in the squad. I don't see Antonio Cholak being the main Ranger striker. I like him. He's a great guy. He's been good to deal with and speak to. As you say, his record is very impressive and a team that's not scored enough goals and not really been at its level. I still don't quite see him as the man that Rangers build a, a forward line roundabout. I don't see him being the man that Michael Beal builds a forward line roundabout. Even when Morelos hasn't been at his best, which if those occasions are few and far between that season, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I still think Rangers look a better and more effective team when you've got him leading the line. And if you think back to how the Beal system worked previous seasons with, with Morelos, like during, during the, uh, the Europa League runs under under Bill and Gerrard, but Morelos was really at his best. They need to try and find another striker who can do do that job. Cholak, yeah. for me, can't do that job. And I think the team will be more effective if they can find a Morelos replacement. That doesn't mean to say that Cholak can't have an impact off the bench or he can't be a second striker. I think he's a good squad option to have. He's not a man for me to build a forward line around around about. Um, but I think as a as a guy to have and to have a a squad, 15 minutes to go, we need a goal, by all means, now go and stick him on. Yeah, absolutely. Good stuff. Well, Chris, uh, thanks very much for joining us and for the update. Um, we'll be back uh, tomorrow. Derek's going to be uh, up at the game, Rangers versus St. Johnson, tomorrow afternoon. The press conference is this afternoon, uh, just about one o'clock. We'll have all your coverage of that as well. Until then, remember to subscribe to the website and the YouTube channel, and we'll speak to you soon.